Let us turn in the Scriptures tonight to Job chapter 38, please. Job chapter 38. And as you turn to the portion, let me say once again what a privilege it has been for my wife and I to be with you for these six uh, Lord's days. It came as a great surprise to us when we got an email from, from Mr. Saunders uh, asking if we would consider coming uh, to Cloverdale to preach for a number of weeks. It was a Macedonian call, and we couldn't ignore it. We were surprised to find this on our, on our phone, a Macedonian call to come to Cloverdale. We did pray about it, and my diary was open for these six Sundays. So it seemed that everything was already arranged. I hadn't to cancel any previous uh, engagements, though other engagements came after we set our face toward Cloverdale. But it has been a wonderful experience for us to be with you. We uh, have appreciated the office bearers of this church. It has been a, a joy to work with them and to serve the Lord together over this period. And we pray that you will give our brethren, their, your full support, and encourage them in the days before, before us. And we leave tomorrow morning. Uh, the flight is due at 11.45, and it will be about 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. on Tuesday uh, here in Cloverdale when we will turn the key in our house in Malisle in County Down. So there's quite a few hours traveling, but we leave it with the Lord and rest on Him. I do not want to emphasize too much the journey, because I'm hopeful that maybe some of you good people will come all the way to Northern Ireland and what a, a joy it would be for us to receive you in Northern Ireland. We cannot promise you wall-to-wall -wall sunshine. We cannot promise you soaring temperatures. We cannot make any promise that you'll not have rain. But we do promise you a warm Ulster welcome and we will introduce you to our special meal, the Ulster Fry. It's something special, renowned the world over. So we'd like to have you sample that. So who knows? You may be able to come and join with us in the province in the near future. Thank you again for all your kindness 
and for all your encouragement over this period of time. Job chapter 38 and the verse 24. Job chapter 38 and verse 24. We'll break into the chapter here. By what way is the light parted, which scattereth the east wind upon the earth? Who hath divided a watercourse for the overflowing of waters, or a way for the lightning of thunder, to cause it to rain on the earth where no man is, on the wilderness wherein there is no there is no man to satisfy the desolate and waste ground and to cause the bud of the tender herb to spring forth. Hath the rain a father, or who hath begotten the drops of dew, out of whose womb came the ice and the hoary frost of heaven? Who hath gendered it? The waters are hid as with a stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. Canst thou bind the sweet influences of Pylades, or loose the bands of Orion? Canst thou bring forth Maseroth in his season, or canst thou guide Arcturus with his sons? Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? Canst thou lift up thy voice to the clouds, that abundance of waters may cover thee? Canst thou send lightnings, that they may go and say unto thee, Here we are? Who hath put wisdom in the inward parts, or who hath given understanding to the heart? Who can number the clouds in wisdom, or who can stay the bottles of heaven? When the dust groweth into hardness, and the clods cleave fast together, wilt thou, wilt thou hunt the prey for the lion, or fill the appetite of the young lions? When they cr crouch in their dens, and abide in the covert to lie in wait? Who provideth for the raven his food? When his young ones cry unto God, they wander for lack of meat. Ending a reading here at verse, uh, verse 41, may the Lord add his own blessing to the public reading of his word. As we come to the word, we'll look to the Lord afresh. We will know his hand with us. Our loving Father, we come to thy precious word. We know that this is not the word of man. It is the living word of the living God. And we pray in times like these, thy word will dwell richly in us. For oh, we know that we can encourage ourselves and strengthen our hearts through thy precious word. And so we pray that thou wilt then break the bread of life to us and grant our Father that all in this service 
will belong to the Lord, know the Lord as their personal Savior, and we pray that every child of God will be helped onward and upward and homeward. O Lord, take Thy Word and write it upon our hearts. Remember us now for good. Pour out Thy Spirit-giving, enabling grace. We ask it in the Savior's lovely name. Amen. The question is put in verse 41, Who provideth for the raven his food? There is no greater picture of human suffering and distress in the Word of God than the life of Job. Satan maintained that Job only exercised faith in God because of the many blessings and benefits that flow from such a relationship. In order to prove that that reasoning was groundless, the Lord took away the hedge of protection from around his servant. And quickly, Job was stripped of all that was precious and dear to his heart. His herds and flocks were destroyed. His sons and daughters, the children that he had dangled on his knees and clutched affectionately in his arms, they were were removed by the stroke of death. In addition to all of that, his friends, so-called, misinterpreted his afflictions and misrepresented his standing with God. In this dark hour when the sun, it seems, refused to shine, Job's faith was severely strained and stretched. He came to the place where he complained and questioned God. And in chapters 38 and 39, God raises numerous questions, at least 70 questions. Each one was penetrating and searching. Each question demonstrated how poorly qualified Job was to fully comprehend the providential ways of the Almighty. In these questions, man's ignorance of the secret counsels of God is clearly displayed. Man knows nothing of the foundation of the world, nothing of the bounds of the sea, nothing of the light of the morning or of the springs of water in the clouds of heaven. He can do nothing towards producing rain, frost, lightning. He cannot direct the stars in their courses in the heavens. He cannot even provide for the lions or the ravens. Job was reminded that God provides for the raven. And like Job, there are times in each of our earthly experiences when the providence of God seems 
to frown on us, and all in our lives is mysterious and dark. There are times when the sunshine is eclipsed by the storm clouds that come our way. Oh, it is so appropriate for us to look at the raven and God's care for it. Indeed, the Lord exhorts us in the New Testament to consider the ravens. May they bring you and I meat, nourishment, and refreshment, as with Elijah by the brook Kerith. Three thoughts from this text this evening. First of all, God's care for the raven, though it is an unclean bird. The raven is not the kind of bird that we love and dote on. Over many, many years, I have gone into numerous homes in the course of pastoral visitation, and I have seen budgies of many colors and sizes in their cages. But I have yet to see with these eyes a crow in such a place of affection and admiration. You see, the raven, the old crow, is unattractive. It has no appeal. It is rather obnoxious, having for its diet rotten flesh, the scraps of earth. Under the law of Moses, God had a list of creatures and animals, clean and unclean. And so how does the raven fare? Turn with me to Leviticus chapter, th- chapter 11 and verse 13. Leviticus chapter 11 and verse 13. And these are they which ye shall have in abomination among the fowls. They shall not be eaten. They are an abomination, the eagle and the osprey and the osprey and the vulture and the kite after his kind. Verse 15, every raven after his kind. Now, here is a telling statement about the raven. It's an unclean bird. It is in the eyes of God as an abomination. But here is the wonderful truth that God thinks on the raven for its good. They are the recipients of God's care, His provision, and His mercy. There's a representation in this bird of you and I in our natural condition, our natural state before God. In Psalm 8 and verse 4, the question stands, What is man? What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? Man is 
in the sight of God a worm, a grasshopper. He is made of the dust of the ground. Every one of us are a handful of enlivened dust. Back in the early 1920s in Northern Ireland, we had a greatly gifted and used evangelist called W.P. Nicholson. W.P., under God, saw an awakening in our province in a, in a troublesome time. He preached probably here in Canada. He preached in America. But he was greatly gifted with a sense of humor. And he said, There is no room for pride in the heart of man. For God only made two things out of the dust of the ground, man and big Egyptian fleas. <laughs> so there was one of W.P.'s humorous statements. David, when he was being pursued by Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 26 and the verse 20, David says, Now therefore, let not my blood fall to the earth before the face of the Lord. For the king of Israel, Saul, is come out to seek a flea. That's how David sees himself, just as a flea. And David cannot get over it that the king of Israel, Saul, that he should be hunting him down. David sees himself just as a single flea, utterly beneath the attention of the king of Israel. And we all have to smite our breast and acknowledge our unworthiness in the sight of God. We're just like this raven, men and women and young people. We're all as an unclean thing. Even our best efforts, our own righteousness, the Bible teaches, is as a filthy rag, an abomination in the sight of the holy God. We are defiled by natural generation in thought, word, and deed. We see our condition as in a mirror in Isaiah chapter 1 and verses 5 and 6. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, the whole head is sick and the whole heart faint from the sole of the foot even unto the head. There is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. Oh, what a similarity there is between us in our sin and the raven. How amazing that God should care for the raven, that his eye should be upon it. And how amazing that the holy God of heaven and earth 
should think of you and I in our sin. And like the raven, God has provision for you who are unsaved this evening. In His boundless mercy, He has provided a Savior, a great Savior. The angel had this message for the shepherds there at Bethlehem so long ago. In Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, the angel said unto those shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. A Savior. The Lord Jesus came into the world as the Savior. And He is the Savior that you personally need. And without Him, your soul is perishing. It is lost. Oh, that this very evening you would come to the Savior. Salvation has been provided for your soul at highest cost, even at the price of the shedding of Christ's own blood on the cross. God loved the world of sinners lost and ruined by the fall. Salvation full at highest cost, He offers free to all. Oh, t'was love, t'was wondrous love, the love of God to me. It brought my Savior from above to die on Calvary. The Lord receives not the righteous, not the self-righteous, but He receives sinners. And if you will take the sinner's place before Him, He will receive you. The Lord has said, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath eternal life and shall never perish. Oh, there's salvation for your soul so that you will never, ever perish. The Lord reminded his people of his care for them while in Babylonian captivity. In Jeremiah chapter 29, and the verse 11, the Lord could say, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Do you see how the Lord's thoughts are ever toward His own? The care that the Lord has for us is extensive. His eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are perfect toward him. Hagar was in the wilderness, not another person near her. And she said, Thou God seest me. And irrespective of whether you're rich or poor, 
high or low, the Lord's care surrounds his people. It's extensive. It's intensive. In Zechariah chapter 1 and verses 13 and 14, this message came to him. The verse 13 shows us that the Lord had good words and comfortable words for Zechariah. And then we go into verse 14. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with a great jealousy. Here's this word, jealousy. It usually has a wrong meaning, but it has a fine meaning here in this verse. The word means to burn. It means to glow. It means it speaks of a red-hot emotion. And the Lord says, I am jealous for my people with a great jealousy. Oh, the Lord has a special place in his heart for every one of his blood-bought ones. We are in his thoughts. We are the apple of his eye. We are his delight. The Lord's care is extensive. It is intensive. It is selective. The Lord's general care extends to all in his common grace. Doesn't he send the rain on the just and on the unjust? But as a father cares for his children, and the husband cares for his wife with a selective care, so is the Lord's care for his own. Oh, the care of the Lord for the raven, though it is this unclean creature. But secondly, we must hurry on. God's care for the raven is tied in with their cry to him. The raven can certainly make its presence felt. Did you ever listen to a number of crows among the cluster of trees in the spring or autumn time? The noise that they make is deafening. They have that loud, harsh squawk. There's no sweet, soothing tones from the raven. And yet their cry is heard and answered. There in Psalm 147 and the verse 9, Psalm 147 and verse 9, He giveth to the beast his food and to the young ravens which cry. No one else will feed them. The farmer, where I come from, in any case, the farmer, because of the havoc that crows create among the crops and the livestock, he will train the barrel of his gun on the crow. But their cry is heard by God. 
ravens in their cry, they leave us, the Lord's people, a wonderful example. We ought to be living in the atmosphere of prayer. David lived in that atmosphere. He could tell us in Psalm 109 and the verse 4, For my love they are my, ad- my adversaries, but I give myself unto prayer. David showed his love, his tenderness to his enemies, but they showed nothing in return. And he says, I give myself unto prayer. Literally, I prayer. I prayer. Mr. Spurgeon said, I seldom pray for 15 minutes, but I seldom let 15 minutes pass without praying. When the Lord prayed in Luke chapter 11 and verse 1, the disciples were moved to make this request, teach us to pray. And the model prayer was given to them, followed by a parable. Luke 11. The parable is found there in verses 5 and 6. Luke chapter 11, verses 5 and 6. Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. The owner of the house had nothing to set before the one who arrived at his door at midnight. And if we do not maintain the spirit of prayer, we will have nothing to set before the ungodly. Without fervent supplication, our cup will not be full and running over. This man received as many loaves as he needed, not because of his friendship, but because of his importunity, his persistent asking. Verse 7, the man from within answered, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, my children are with me in bed, I cannot rise and give. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Often we prevail on a human level, level with others because they are displeased with our persistent approaches. The child will often keep asking, demanding, I want, I want, and anything for a quiet life, the parent may well give in to get peace. We prevail with God by importunity because He is pleased with our often coming to His throne.
the prayer of the upright, Proverbs 15 and verse 8, is his delight. The raven, this unclean bird, it cries. God hears it, feeds it. What will he not do for his blood-bought children? He is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. John Newton said, Beyond our utmost wants, His love and power can bless. To praying souls, He always grants more than they can express. Oh yes, the Lord is so gracious and willing to hear prayer and to supply our need. And then lastly, we see that God's care for the raven. It's an exhortation for us, you and I, to trust Him. What was the message to Job's heart? Job, though trials have swept in, though you have trouble piled upon trouble, sorrow added to sorrow, Trust me with all your heart. Do you see the raven, Job? I care for it, and you are of more value than that old raven. When waves of affliction come sweeping in, when fond ambitions crumble at your feet, when the blossom of health fails, It is then that the devil seeks to sow hard thoughts against the Lord in your mind. Look what's happened. Your faith is vain. Your trust is as when one leans on a broken reed. A little girl had been promised the privilege of climbing a nearby hilltop where her brother usually played. And when she came to the foot of that that steep, rough path, she drew back in dismay. There isn't a smooth spot anywhere. It's all so bumpy and stony, she protested. Yes, said her brother, but how could we climb to the top if it wasn't? The stones and the bumps or what we put our feet on to get there. And at times for us, the way is uphill and bumpy. There are difficulties, but those difficulties are to become our stepping stones to higher ground of trust and blessing and victory. We're not to be overcome with anxious care. George Mueller said, the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith, and the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. We think of the lovely words given to us in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ 
Jesus. When you're in a fix, someone has said, when you're in a fix, remember Philippians 4 and verse 6. And remember that the raven, though unclean, yet in the Old Testament and in the New, the Lord's eyes are upon it. And the Lord loves you more than he does the ravens. You're one of his jewels, a special treasure of his. You're a diadem in his hand. You're precious in his sight. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And may we each one say with Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. David said, my heart is fixed trusting in the Lord. May that be true of us. May our eyes ever be heavenward and fixed on our Redeemer, the one who truly cares for his own. May the Lord bless his word to each of our hearts. We will join in singing the hymn 523, please. The hymn number 523. Simply trusting every day, trusting through a stormy way, even when my faith is small, trusting Jesus, that is all. 523.
pray that thou wilt help us to trust the Lord, to lean, Lord, upon thee. We know that thou dost uphold all things by the word of thy power, and thou hast upholding grace for us, whatever the circumstance, whatever the need. Thou hast taught us a valuable lesson from the old crow, and we pray, Lord, that thou wilt help us to look to thee in all the situations of our daily lives. So bless thy people here, and grant, O God, that thou wilt perfect all the concerns, the witness and the testimony here. We can say with the psalmist, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. Lord, bring it to pass in this congregation, and do this work good in thy good pleasure. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you with, with exceeding joy before his presence, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and dominion, both now and forevermore. In the Savior's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Wouldn't it be fitting without singing M740? God be with you till we meet again. I know we talked about this the other day, and uh, Brother Charlie reminded me here, so we're, there's no guarantee, is there, that we'll meet each other again. So until now or eternity, uh, we look forward to this blessed fellowship. So we'll sing this hymn before we depart this evening.
Amen.